What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 130, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, January 16th, 2021, headlined by Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. This event will take place from UFC Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, which means it will take place in the big UFC cage. This is the first podcast of the year 2021, and I did do a brief recap podcast for the year of 2020, where I talked about some of my statistics predicting and betting on fights, and some traditional awards that are given out at the end of the year, like Best Fight of the Year, Best Fighter of the Year. So if you're interested in listening to that 2020 recap, go check out the most recent episode I uploaded to all of my channels. And we have three podcasts coming at you this week. This is the first of three UFC events in one week's time. So over the next seven to eight days, there will be three Martian MMA podcasts uploaded. And before we analyze all 11 fights on this upcoming card, I want to give a quick summary of my statistics from the year 2020. I did predict 455 fights on the Martian MMA podcast. 292 correct predictions, 157 wrong predictions, and 6 of those fights were draws, which ends up with about a 65% accuracy for pure picks. And in terms of bets, I did have a return on investment of 13%, with a total profit of 47 units on my official Bet MMA Tips page, which can be found on my Twitter profile and in the description of the YouTube videos, which is where I track all of my official bets. You can follow me on the Bet MMA Tips website so you get an email notification every time I post a new bet. All of my bets are free and posted to the public. And if you don't have an account over at Bet MMA Tips, then you can just make a reminder to yourself to check out my page before every UFC event, which is where I post my most confident bets before every single UFC event. And with that being said, we're going to get into analyzing the first fight on this card. It is in the featherweight division. We have Jacob Kilburn taking on Austin Lingo. The opening betting line for this fight was Lingo, the minus 265 favorite to Kilburn as the plus 225 underdog. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Lingo minus 220 to Kilburn plus 185. More action is coming in on the underdog, Jacob Kilburn here, and I agree with that action. Where the opening line was set was a bit wide. I think that Kilburn at a little bit over 2-1 to one is some good value and worth a small bet, but I would not advise betting too heavily on either side of this fight. These guys are very low level, pretty unproven and raw, and both have power in their hands. They like to swing on the feet. Most of their wins do come by a first round knockout, but both of them are also pretty raw in their striking. They don't have much setup to their offense. They don't have great defense, and both guys are very susceptible to being taken down. They're bad off their backs, and both guys were outgrappled and taken down a lot in their UFC debuts. Kilburn was dominated and submitted by Billy Quarantillo, and Austin Lingo was outstruck and taken down by Yusef Salal. Both of these guys are pretty poor defensive grapplers, but I would have to say that Kilburn is actually the worst defensive grappler of the two. But on the other side of that, I'd say that Kilburn is the better offensive wrestler of the two, and I've seen him hitting more takedowns and keeping top position a lot more in his regional fights. So I think if this fight does end up on the floor, it's going to be Kilburn hitting takedowns. I don't have much faith in him to pass guard or to do much with those takedowns, but it's certainly a factor in this fight, and I think that's one of the reasons why this fight is dog or pass, because Kilburn has more options to win the fight. I think he could get a knockout in the early rounds. He could have better cardio and win this fight via decision, maybe some takedowns and top time in those later rounds. But with the way these two match up, 
given that they're both sloppy and experienced, they're pretty poor defensively in the striking and grappling. I think a finish is really likely on either side here. I think that both guys could gas and get tired out in the later rounds and they could finish each other. But the most common outcome for this fight is both guys meeting in the center in round one, exchanging big heavy punches and one guy going to sleep. I do think that Austin Lingo gets the knockout here. Definitely not a confident pick. I do not have much faith in either of these guys. I don't think they're very skilled fighters, and it's likely going to be a pretty sloppy fight where I hope one of them finds a finish because I do have one unit on the fight does not go the distance at minus 116. In terms of money line for this one, I'd say it's Kilburn or pass, dog or pass, but the pick is going to be Austin Lingo to find that round one knockout. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Sarah Moras taking on Vanessa Mello. The opening betting line for this one was Maras minus 192, Mello plus 165. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Maras minus 222 to Mello plus 187. More action coming in on the favorite Sarah Maras in this one. I understand why Vanessa Mello has had a very terrible UFC career. She's had three fights. She's lost all three of them by very dominant decision. I think she's only won one of those rounds, and I think it was round three versus Rosa. And she's actually missed weight significantly in two of those fights. She missed by four or five pounds two times. So she's a really pathetic fighter. Pretty hard to believe that the UFC would give Mello another fight here. It's actually pretty pathetic that they would offer her another fight. She's 0-3. She was dominated all three times. She missed weight twice. She's unprofessional. And she's not a good fighter at all. So... I'll try to keep this one short. I do think that Maras is a justified favorite at around 60 to 65%. The striking will be slightly competitive between these two. Maras is very sloppy. I think that Melo probably has the better striking technique of the two. It just doesn't seem like she throws hard strikes early on in the fight. Sometimes she wakes up after a round or two and starts throwing more strikes, but she doesn't really come out in round one looking to push a pace or to land hard strikes. And I think that that will allow Maras to dictate the, the pace of the fight. Maras is definitely going to try to get inside to try to push Melo against the cage and try to get takedowns. That's really been a big problem throughout Melo's UFC career. She has terrible footwork. She backs herself up to the cage, gets taken down very easily. And when she gets put on her back, she doesn't really have much initiative or ability to get off of her back. So one takedown could really win Maras the round, could win her the fight. And Maras is decent at passing guard, landing ground and pound strikes. So it's possible that she could find a finish somewhere along the lines too. And this is one of those fights where I wouldn't really advise laying the chalk on Maras at minus 200, but I also wouldn't say it's dog or pass either because I don't see any value at Mello at her current line. She has just looked so awful in her 45 minutes worth of fight time that I don't think you can be putting your money on her. So if you have some faith in Mello or you want to fade Maras, I would advise doing it by betting Mello by decision. I can't see her winning any other way than that. While I actually could see Maras finishing the fight somewhere along the lines on the ground or just winning a comfortable decision. So the pick is Maras to hit takedowns to win with her grappling. And I'll go with Maras by decision as my official pick. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Ramazan Amiv taking on David Zawada. The opening betting line for this fight was Amiv, the minus 210 favorite to Zawada, plus 180. Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Amiv minus 258 to Zawada, plus 218. More action coming in on the favorite Ramazan Amiv, and I agree with that action there. Zawada's last fight was about 15 months ago versus Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. Zawada was taken down pretty early in that fight and had almost no resistance to Nurmagomedov's takedown was kind of content to attack guard submissions off his back like arm bars and triangles and lucky enough for him he did hit a nice triangle choke off of his back. It's not like Nurmagomedov was doing a ton from top position but it was still nice the way that Zawada snatched that submission up. 
but you still gotta think in this matchup that Amiv is very likely to hit takedowns. He hits takedowns in pretty much all of his fights, and I trust Amiv a lot more to avoid that submission than Nurmagomedov. We haven't seen Amiv defend a ton of submissions, but he is a great wrestler. He is good from top position. He doesn't do much from top position. He doesn't land a lot of ground and pound. He does not pass guard or go for submissions at all, so that kind of worries me. He kind of chills on top. That's kind of part of his game is just getting a takedown and staying nice and safe on top, and he's not going to be safe versus Zawada. He's going to have to be constantly defending submissions, and if you want to play Zawada, I would say do it by submission because I do not see Zawada winning this fight by knockout. I certainly don't see him winning by decision. The only way that Zawada is going to be able to pull off the victory here is by getting an early submission when he gets taken down off of his back or maybe a guillotine choke or something like that. So if you like Zawada here, I would say look for the props on round one or round two submission. I really do not see Zawada winning outside of that. So. In terms of money line here, it's another tough fight to bet because Amiv at minus 250, I don't really like. He's kind of a risk-adverse fighter. He doesn't land a lot of strikes. He doesn't go for submissions. He kind of is content to coast to decisions at times, which is not really what you want to be betting on at minus 250 yet. However, I do think that Ramazan Amiv is the cleaner striker. He is the much better wrestler. He's very likely to hit takedowns here. And as long as he can avoid getting submitted with a guillotine or triangle or armbar from Zawada off of his back, then I think that Amiv should cruise to a decision as usual. So the best bet for this fight is likely going to be Amiv by decision. That will be my pick for how he gets it done. And if you like Zawada, once again, just stab on those round one, round two submission props. That's the only way he's going to be able to win the fight. Once again, Amiv by decision is the pick. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Carlos Felipe taking on Justin Taffa. The opening betting line for this one was Felipe minus 115 to Taffa minus 105. Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Felipe minus 190 to Taffa plus 165. This fight opened at a near pick'em price, and now we are seeing Carlos Felipe at near 65% implied probability. So needless to say, much more action, and the market is really coming in on Carlos Felipe in this one. And I agree with that action. I do think he is the right side to be on here. He's the much more skilled fighter, and in his UFC career, we've seen a lot more proven skill from him. I think that Tafa is a pretty low-level power puncher. He's a very bad grappler. We've seen him look really bad getting taken down and off of his back in his regional fights. And if Felipe really pursues those offensive takedowns, which he has shot a few takedowns in his past few fights, I think there's a great chance that he puts Tafa on his back and keeps him there, possibly even finds a finish on the ground somewhere along the lines because Tafa is a terrible grappler. There's some hard footage to find out there. I think it was an unlisted YouTube video or something like that going around the MMA betting community, but we saw Tafa look like a fish out of water off of his back. But even if the fight stays on the feet, I think that Philippe is the better striker. I think he has cleaner technique, he's more proven, and he has the much better cardio as well. One really good sign from Carlos Philippe was he was checking a lot of leg kicks in the Jorgen DeCastro fight. And if you watch DeCastro's fight, you can see that he throws a lot of leg kicks. So it seemed like Philippe was prepared for that. He watched some fights of DeCastro, he was prepared for the defense of it, and he executed that game plan very well. So if he's able to find that footage of Tafa looking like a terrible grappler, there's a great chance that he pursues those takedowns and looks to put Tafa on his back. But like I said, even if he doesn't get takedowns, I would favor Philippe on the feet. It's going to be competitive because Tafa is a big hitter. He swings big power punches. But the longer the fight goes, the more I start to favor Carlos Philippe. And if it gets out of round one, I think it should really favor Carlos Philippe at like a 70 to 80% rate. 
Where the money line price is at now, I would advise staying away. I think the best price on Philippe is long gone. And the best time to enter in on Philippe is going to be a live bet. I think that Tafa could have some mild success. If he wins the fight outright, I think it will be a buy round one knockout. So if you can wait three to five minutes, maybe the fight's competitive and we see Tafa starts to slow down, I think that would be a good time to get in a live bet on Carlos Philippe. I give Philippe a lot of advantages here. I think he's the more experienced fighter. He's the better athlete with the better cardio. I think he's got cleaner striking technique and the better grappling ability as well. So I give a lot of advantages to Philippe here. He could get iced in round one. It is heavyweight after all. And if Justin Toffa does win this fight, it should be by round one or two knockout. But as long as Philippe survives that early storm, avoids getting knocked out early, I think he should kind of run away with the fight in the later rounds, possibly even finding a finish in round three. In terms of a pre-fight bet for this one, I think that Carlos Philippe by round three or decision, which is a line available on the Betfair FanDuel Sportsbook. I like that line here. And also look to live bet Carlos Philippe after about three to five minutes, which is when he should really start taking over the fight. Uh, the pick for me is going to be Carlos Philippe by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Wu Yanan taking on Jocelyn Edwards. The opening betting line for this one was Yanan minus 242, Edwards plus 205. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing a minus 110 pick them on both sides. Needless to say, much more action came in on Jocelyn Edwards. I totally agree with that action. I didn't even know the line opened up that wide. Edwards at plus 200 was a great bet. Even though this is an extremely low-level fight, I'm talking one of the worst quality fights you could possibly put together in the UFC. Value is value, and Edwards at plus 200 was value, and Edwards at plus money was probably a good bet because Wu Yanan doesn't really throw hard strikes. She throws a lot of output, but a lot of it is just arm punches without much power behind it. She doesn't really have much setup to her offense. Edwards is coming into this fight on short notice, so I did do some tape on her. She seems like a pretty poor grappler with bad takedown defense, not much ability to get off of her back, but Wu Yanan is not the offensive grappling type. This fight should very likely stay on the feet. Edwards also has some pretty sloppy and awkward striking, but she at least throws some power in her strikes, and she comes forward and seems to put some emphasis behind her strikes, which I cannot say the same for Wu Yanan about. She really doesn't throw hard strikes. It seems like she's just kind of throwing feeler strikes out there with not much intent to hurt her opponents, while Jocelyn Edwards actually comes forward, looks to pressure opponents, and actually land hard shots. And honestly, that's all I really needed to see to pick Edwards in this one. I think it will be a competitive, sloppy fight, but I think that Edwards throws and lands harder strikes. There's always the possibility that she's not adequately prepared for this fight. This is a short-notice fight, so Ricardo could give out on her. And Wu Yanan, I'd say, is the more proven fighter over 15 minutes. We have at least seen her in the UFC against decent-level competition going the full 15 minutes, which we can't say the same for Jocelyn Edwards about. But I'm not too concerned about Edwards' cardio. Wu Yanan isn't really going to push a pace, so outside of some crazy cardio dump from Edwards, I think she should edge the striking here and win a decision by landing the more impactful shots. But as I mentioned earlier, bottom of the barrel, low level fight. There's no value left on either side here. It's a pick em for a reason, and the pick is going to be Jocelyn Edwards by decision, but it's not a confident pick, and I would not advise betting on this fight at these prices. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Nasruddin Imavov taking on Phil Halls. The opening betting line for this one was Hawes minus 181 to Imavov plus 159. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Hawes minus 129 to Imavov plus 109. 
more action coming in on the underdog am evolved in this one and i agree with that action i think at plus 150 there was some value on at am evolve on that price and where the line is at now is very accurate i do agree with where it's set at now both of these guys are pretty raw and inexperienced, but I think this should be a very fun fight. The inside the distance line is almost minus 200 here, so a finish is pretty likely on either side. I think in the first half of the fight, I would favor Phil Hawes. He comes out very aggressive. He has the ability to hit offensive takedowns. I think he has a wrestling background, and he has a lot of power in his hands. He likes pressuring his opponents and has several round one knockouts, but Imbavolve also has some round one knockouts. He has good striking technique he has ability to hit offensive takedowns and he showed some pretty good takedown defense in the Williams fight as well and to be honest I was pretty wrong about Imavolve entering into the UFC there wasn't much footage available of his regional fights but I thought he looked pretty improved versus Williams a lot of that had to do with Williams gassing out he was definitely dead tired about six or seven minutes into that fight so that's really why Imavolve was able to take over and get dominant control of that fight and I think Imovov could be getting a bit overvalued after that fight. I mean, it wasn't that tough of a matchup for him considering that his opponent gassed out so quickly. And I think that even though Hawes is kind of likely to gas out as well, he definitely has his own cardio issues. And if he can't get the finish or do a lot of damage in that first six or seven minutes, then he's very likely to slow down and to gas out as well, which is why I would start to favor Imovov if the fight does go over one and a half rounds. I think this fight will be competitive at all phases. The striking will be very even. I think Imovolve has a striking technique advantage. I like his technique and I think he throws his strikes a lot cleaner than Phil Halls does. But I think Halls hits harder and has a lot more power and ability to get knockouts in the first two rounds than Imovolve does. In terms of grappling, Phil Halls is the more likely fighter to shoot takedowns here. But Imavol has some sneaky front chokes. He was using them to stuff takedowns from Williams and almost locked up a Darce at one point. So Hawes is going to have to watch his neck. He has been choked out before by Luis Taylor back in the World Series of Fighting. And Hawes is very susceptible to slowing down later in fights. So if he is slow, shooting sloppy takedowns in rounds 2 and 3, he's going to be very likely to get his neck caught and to get tapped out by Imavol here. I'm slightly leaning with Phil Hawes just because I think he's going to start the fight better. He has a better chance at ending the fight in the first few minutes. And I think that Imavolve is likely going to be a better live bet here. If Imavolve is still alive and looking good after the 5 or 7 minute mark, I would really start to favor him in those later rounds. And he probably should run away with it and get a round 3 finish. There are a lot of different ways this fight can play out. I do not have an extremely confident read or pick in this one, but I'm slightly going to lean with Phil Hawes here. I think he's going to be more dangerous in those early rounds. He has a higher chance at ending the fight early via round one or round two knockout. But as I stressed before, if this fight goes past the five or seven minute mark, that's when you start to favor Imovolve. That's why I think Imovolve is going to be a better live bet. So I expect a competitive fight at all phases. It's going to be a really entertaining fight that probably ends by finish. And I'm going to go with Phil Hawes to get that. Let's go with a round one knockout over Imovolve here. But no outcome would really shock me on either side here. It's going to be a fun fight. The next fight is the first fight on the main card. In the middleweight division, we have Punaheli Soriano taking on Dusko Todorovic. The opening betting line for this one was Dusko minus 150 to Soriano plus 130. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing the same exact line, Todorovic minus 150 to Soriano plus 130. That means there is two-way action coming in this fight, and rightfully so. This is going to be a fun fight between two pretty promising fighters, two young undefeated guys with a lot of knockout power and a lot of finishes on the record. Most of both of their wins come by early knockouts, and both guys are pretty unproven later on in fights. 
Soriano has actually only been out of round one one time, and it was a decision victory over Jamie Pickett. Soriano outstruck Pickett throughout that entire fight and hit some key takedowns at important moments of the fight to secure some rounds and to secure the decision victory for him. So in addition to his knockout power, he does have some ability to hit takedowns and to keep top position, but he hasn't really done that against many high-level opponents. I think it's pretty likely that Dusko will be the toughest test of Soriano's career. I'm not sure I can say the same about Dusko. I think he does have a bit of a better record and resume than Soriano does. And when comparing these two fighters' skill sets, I do think that Dusko is the better technician of the two. I think he's got the better technique on the feet. And in terms of offensive and defensive wrestling, I like his ground game a lot. The way he passes guard, lands a lot of ground and pound strikes. He's definitely looking to finish fights on the ground. While Soriano is kind of just laying on top position when he gets takedowns. And I haven't seen him do much with the takedowns. Some other things to consider about this fight is that Soriano has not fought in a little over a year and was apparently dealing with some injuries and healing up some nagging injuries of his. Also, Soriano is a southpaw, and I do not think that Todorovic has faced many southpaws, and we could see Dusko struggle with the offensive striking of Puna Soriano and those power in his punches. He really cannot be taken lightly. He has power in both of his hands. He was able to put Oscar Pachota to sleep very quickly in that fight, and I think that in round one, Puna Soriano is going to be very dangerous. I actually saw that the props for this fight have Puna Soriano round one knockout at plus 700, which I think is definitely worth a stab. Even though I think I will be eventually picking Dusko Todorovic to win the fight, I think that the most likely way that Soriano wins the fight is going to be by round one knockout. And if you can get plus 700 on that, I think that is worth a small stab, maybe a quarter unit, a half unit bet. I won't be tracking that bet officially, but I do think there is some value there. But my pick for this one is going to be for Dusko Todorovic to avoid that early round one power of Soriano, to mix it up with his clinch strikes and maybe get a takedown and to put Soriano on his back. I'm going to end up siding with Dusko Todorovic here. I trust him a little bit more. I think I've seen the better technique from him. I think he has the better wins over better competition. And I think he's less likely to slow down and gas out, which I think is a real possibility if Soriano does not start winning the fight. I think he's going to start swinging wild, looking for that round one knockout. And if he can't get it, he's probably going to slow down. And Dusko is going to take over, likely hitting takedowns, possibly getting a ground finish somewhere along the lines in rounds two or three. So I think a lot of outcomes are on the table here. This is a fun competitive fight between two young up-and-coming undefeated guys i'm gonna side with dusko todorovic i'm gonna go with a round three tko for dusko that's gonna be my official pick and it's gonna be a fun fight and no official bets on this one for me yet the next fight takes place in the middleweight division we have alessio de Chirico taking on joaquin buckley the opening betting line for this one was buckley minus 275 to de Chirico plus 235 Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Buckley minus 260 to DeKirico plus 220. More action coming in on the underdog Alessio DeKirico, and I agree with that action. I think we could see Buckley being still a bit overvalued coming off of his recent knockouts. Of course, he has one of the greatest knockouts in UFC history over Impica Saganai, and then did make quick work of Jordan Wright in his most recent fight as well. But I still think the market might be coming in a little heavy on Joaquin Buckley. Alessio DiCirco is not the most fan-friendly fighter. He doesn't really fight with the highest intensity at times. Doesn't really do the most to win, but he's very skilled everywhere. He's skilled to get in the fight into the clinch. He can hit offensive takedowns. And he can make this fight tough for Joaquin Buckley at a lot of different phases. So I like the value on Alessio DiCirco plus 200. I think that DeKirko is worth a small value play at above plus 200 odds. I'm not overly confident in him to win the fight, but I am confident that he looks a little bit better than plus 200 and he makes this fight competitive for Buckley. 
In the striking in this fight, I think it's pretty clear what Buckley is going to do. He's going to come forward and throw output and pressure you, try to land big power punches. That's what he's done on most of his opponents. He mixes it up to the head and body very well, but I'm still not super convinced that Buckley is a very layered striker. I think most of his game is just marching forward, throwing big hard punches. There's no doubt that Buckley is good at what he does. He has power in both hands. He pressures his opponents and makes them very uncomfortable. But I still think he's kind of unproven as a fighter. I think he's pretty limited in his skill approach. I think outside of hard punches, he does not have much offense. He doesn't have very good defense. He was eating a lot of punches and got dropped a few times versus Kevin Holland. And I think in particular, Alessio DeKirko can make this fight close in the clinch. DeKirko is really good at tying up his opponents, landing good clinch strikes, and mixing in offensive takedowns, which is how he's going to have to win this fight. I don't really trust Alessio DiCirco to win striking exchanges at distance. I think he will make them competitive. He will throw volume. I expect the official stat numbers to be pretty close when these two are trading. I do think that Buckley is going to be landing the harder shots. He definitely puts a lot more emphasis behind his strikes. And as I mentioned, Alessio DiCirco doesn't tend to do that. That's kind of a problem at his times that he's fighting at a slower pace, slower intensity, and is kind of content to go the full 15 minutes and leave it in the hands of the judges and make it a close decision. And that's kind of burned him recently. He had two close fights against Kevin Holland and against Muradov that he could have won those fights if he did a little bit more, but ultimately lost those fights on the judges' scorecards. So if Alessio DiCirco ups his output a little bit more and uses all aspects of MMA like takedowns and the clinch, I think that his chances of pulling off an upset here are quite good. I'm not going to go with an official pick of Alessio DiCirco. I'm still going to side with Joaquin Buckley to win this fight. I'm not super confident whether I want to pick Buckley by decision or Buckley by knockout. If the fight does go the distance and hit the judges' scorecards, I expect the cards to be close, 29-28 on either side. But I still think that Buckley has a good chance of winning a decision because he's going to be landing the more impactful and damaging blows. But you always have to think that the most common way that Buckley's going to win the fight is by knockout because he throws so hard, he marches his opponents down, and DeKirko doesn't have the greatest boxing defense or chin. He was dropped by Zach Cummings in his last fight after all. So I think I'm going to go with the knockout for Buckley as my official prediction, although I do like the value on DeKirko at plus 200. I might track an official half-unit bet on him at those odds. I have not decided yet. I will continue to monitor the line over the next few days, but in terms of an official prediction, I'm going to go with Joaquin Buckley by second-round knockout. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Santiago Ponzinibbio taking on Li Jingliang. The opening betting line for this one, we have Ponzinibbio minus 275 to Jingliang plus 235. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Ponzinibbio minus 290 to Jingliang plus 245. The line staying about the same with a little more action coming towards Ponzinibbio. There is two-way action coming in on this fight, but this is a fun high-level matchup between two exciting fighters. Right off the bat, we do have to mention Ponzinibbio coming off of a pretty lengthy layoff. His last fight was in November of 2018. Over two years ago against Neil Magny, that was a very dominant performance, which he ended by knockout in the fourth round. Probably his best win to date. And a lot of people forgot about Ponzinibbio. He's on a seven-fight win streak over pretty good competition. And he did take a long layoff, had some injuries, had some fights get canceled, but he is back here versus Li Jingliang. And I think it's actually a pretty good matchup for him. Jingliang does not really do good against leg kicks. He gets dropped in a lot of his fights by big punches. And he has pretty bad footwork and gets himself backed up to the cage a lot. And that's really all the things that Ponzinibbio does well. He cuts off the cage and pressures his opponents really well. He has a good jab. He has a hard leg kick. He has power in both of his hands. When he sits down on his right hand, he puts a lot of power in that. And even his 
his jabs have a lot of power. So I think this is a really bad matchup for Li Jingliang all around. And the only real question here is how good of a shape is Ponzinibbio in? He is coming off of this long layoff, and there's a chance that he's not the same fighter he was back on that seven-fight win streak when we saw him last in 2018. So I think that's the only real concern here. That's the only reason why we might not see Ponzinibbio in the minus 300s or higher, because this matchup does really favor him. And Li Jingliang is not a bad fighter at all, but I think he's kind of a hot and cold fighter. He either has really good performances or really bad performances and doesn't really do well at adapting mid-fight. And if he's losing the first round of a fight, he's not the type of guy to make changes and to win the last two rounds. It really seems like he either starts winning the fight and continues to win or starts losing and continues to lose. And Lee's last fight against Neil Magny was one of those fights where he starts losing and just gets dominated the whole way through. He was getting hit with a lot of jabs from Magny, was getting backed up to the cage, was getting outstruck in the clinch, and eventually got taken down and put on his back, did not do well getting off of his back, and was pretty thoroughly dominated by Neil Magny there. I think Jing Liang was actually the favorite going into that fight, and Magny pulled off the upset and made it look pretty easy as well. And Jing Liang doesn't seem to really be the same fighter when he's fighting outside of China, has a much better record when fighting in his home country. And this fight is, of course, in Abu Dhabi, not in China. So that's something to consider. And it's probably dog or pass in terms of money line just because there are the questions surrounding Ponzinibbio. I'm not really willing to lay Ponzinibbio at close to 75% coming off of this long layoff. But I do think this matchup really favors him. I think he jabs Jing Liang's face off, chops down his leg, and possibly even could find a finish somewhere along the lines. But considering that Ponzinibbio is coming off that long layoff, he's probably going to take a few minutes to warm up and really start putting on Jing Liang. And even though Jing Liang gets dropped in a lot of his fights, he is very hard to finish. He recovers fast once he gets hurt, and he's a very hard guy to put away. So I actually am going to pick Ponzinibbio by decision here. I actually did bet this line just a few hours ago. I tracked a half unit bet on Santiago Ponzinibbio by decision at plus 250 odds over on the FanDuel Betfair Sportsbook. That is better odds than are available market-wide, so that's why. I kind of jumped on this price and tracked it now. I think it's plus 180, plus 190 elsewhere. So if you have access to FanDuel Betfair, make sure you check that out. The line might be adjusted by the time I release this, but I do have a half unit tracked on Ponzinibbio by decision, and that is my official pick for how the fight goes. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Matt Brown taking on Carlos Condit. The opening betting line for this one was a minus 110 pick on both sides. Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Carlos Condit, the minus 170 favorite, to Matt Brown, plus 145. Much more action coming in on Carlos Condit in this one. And I agree with Condit being a slight favorite, but where it's at now, I would say it's dogger pass, and the value has shifted to Matt Brown at plus 145. First thing I'll mention is both of these guys are pretty old, way past their primes, not the same fighter as they once were, and that makes them hard to trust. I don't think either guy you can be really confident in here. I understand a small bet on either side, depending on who you think the value is with, but you can't be confident on either side. I don't think anybody thinks that either of these guys should be above 60-65%. This is a pretty even fight, so that's why I think that going with the dog, Matt Brown, in terms of the betting window, is the right side to be on. One thing I've noticed about these guys is that Condit seems to realize that he's pretty old and he's not the same fighter he once was, doesn't have the same athleticism, and he's kind of altered his fighting style to fight a lot more conservative. Meanwhile, it seems like Matt Brown is fighting with the same style and at the same pace as he did throughout most of his career. And I gotta give it to Matt Brown. He's one of the most exciting and entertaining fighters I've ever seen. He has some amazing classic fights in his UFC career, but... 
Matt Brown did turn 40 years old this week, and it's pretty clear that he does not have the same cardio, athleticism, or durability that he did once in his prime. And Matt Brown has always been kind of susceptible to body attacks, getting hurt to the liver, but we saw him get dropped with a few headshots in the Baeza fight, and Baeza is a young, up-and-coming guy. I think he's actually a pretty promising prospect. And Matt Brown was actually giving Baeza a tough fight. Had Baeza in real trouble in round one. Round one was a crazy back-and-forth round. Baeza was able to drop Brown a few times. And at the start of round two, Brown just ran into a left hook and got knocked out pretty brutally. And if you watch that fight, Brown did eat a few left hooks and just did not see the strikes coming. Didn't have the reaction time to adjust to that and just kept running into that left hook, which eventually led to the knockdown in the finish. And I think it's just hard to trust Brown with how aggressive he fights. I think that a cardio dump is likely from him. I think that him getting hurt with strikes to the head or body and getting dropped and finished is very likely at any point. And even though Carlos Condit doesn't really throw high output, doesn't throw with a lot of intensity, he does still have power. He has the ability to drop you. Of course, the Court McGee fight, his most recent fight. Condit was probably on his way to losing round one of that fight before landing a late knockout and swinging the momentum of the fight, kind of giving Carlos Condit the confidence he needed to continue to outstrike Court McGee and to win the fight. But that was kind of an uncharacteristic performance from Court McGee. He didn't really attempt any takedowns. And takedown defense is one of the biggest problems of Carlos Condit's career. He has never really had good takedown defense. And Condit also can be submitted once he gets put on the ground, has multiple submission losses throughout his career. And Matt Brown actually has some pretty sneaky good wrestling, some good grappling ability. I don't think it's very likely that Brown finds a finish on the ground, but if he can just use that threat of the takedown to mix up the levels in this fight to keep Carlos Condit thinking, then that's going to go a long way and will probably lead to swinging the fight in Matt Brown's favor. So if Matt Brown comes out shooting takedowns, I think the chances that he hits them and starts winning the fight is pretty likely. I just question whether he will be able to continue with that pace and will be able to hit takedowns in multiple rounds because we have not seen Matt Brown late in the fights recently. Most of his fights end by finish. And if this fight somehow makes it to the decision, I think I will favor Carlos Condit on the scorecards. If the fight goes the full 15 minutes, I think the fight just favors the pace that Carlos Condit prefers. And that will be a low to medium output kickboxing match. I think that's the best case scenario for Carlos Condit. So it really depends on what range Matt Brown gives Carlos Condit. If he gets inside, tries to get the fight in the clinch and on the ground, then I really like Matt Brown's chances. But I do have questions around Matt Brown's cardio, his durability, and the fact that we've seen Carlos Condit go the full 15 minutes lately leads me to believe that I trust him a little bit more so I'm going to slightly side with a Carlos Condit decision but a lot of outcomes are on the table here I could see Carlos Condit getting a knockout or winning a decision I could see Matt Brown getting a submission or possibly winning by decision as well so it'll be a fun fight between two veterans it's a shame we didn't get to see this fight five or six years ago when these guys were in their prime but hopefully it's still an exciting matchup and my official pick is going to be Carlos Condit by decision not a confident pick, and in terms of money line, it is definitely Matt Brown or pass, dog or pass, and the value is on Brown on this spot. The next fight is the main event in the featherweight division. We have Calvin Cater taking on Max Holloway. The opening betting line for this one was Holloway minus 135 to Cater plus 115. Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Holloway minus 156 to Cater plus 136. A little bit more action coming in on Max Holloway. The early action actually came in pretty heavily on Holloway and pushed him to around minus 180, minus 170 for periods of time. And as we get closer to fight day, more and more action is coming in on the underdog Calvin Cater with the line margins tightening up in this one. And right off the bat, we got to mention how amazing of a fight this is. I mean, two elite level fighters, two of the best strikers, best boxers in the UFC. I'm really looking forward to this fight. 
sort of summary viewpoint of how I see this fight is that Calvin Kaler is an elite boxer, but about 80% of his offense seems to be just punches. He doesn't really mix it up with kicks, knees, clinches, takedown attempts very much. And I think that Max Holloway is an elite striker. And he really mixes in his knees, his kicks, and is the much better kicker and diverse striker of the two. Any offensive wrestling attempt in this fight is very unlikely. I would give Max Holloway a slightly higher chance at initiating any grappling, but it's very unlikely. I'd say only about a 10% chance we see any type of takedown or grappling in this fight. We might see some clinching between these two, but I'd say 80 to 90% chance these two are going to duke it out at striking distance, and we're going to see who one of the best strikers is at 145, and that's why this fight is going to be so exciting. This fight is, of course, scheduled for five rounds, and I think we have to look at the experience over five rounds between these two, and Calvin Cater has always had very good cardio. He looked good in round three versus Zabit Magomed Sharapov. He lost the first two rounds of that fight, came on strong in round three, and in his first five-round fight against Danny Gay, he looked very sharp over five rounds. He won that fight 49-46, winning rounds four and five as well. The only round he lost in that fight was round two, in my opinion. So the five-round cardio looked very good from Calvin Cater, but that was kind of an easy matchup for him. I mean, Danny Gay is a great fighter, and Calvin Cater diffused him very well, but that fight didn't really test Calvin Cater's cardio. It wasn't really a, a competitive fight in the last three rounds, so Calvin Cater kind of ran away with it. But this is not going to be that type of fight at all. Max Holloway is going to be competitive the entire time. I mean, right away, these guys are going to be in really even competitive high-level striking exchanges and that's going to tax the cardio of Calvin Cater a lot more and I think that Max Holloway is a lot more experienced in competitive five-round fights like Poirier like the Volkanovski fights Max Holloway was actually tested in competitive fights that go the full five-round distance and that's a huge advantage for Max Holloway here. I also still have some criticisms and questions around Calvin Cater's defense. His leg kick defense has been a big problem th of his throughout his career, and he's been improving it, but it's still not completely corrected. And Calvin Cater also doesn't have the greatest boxing defense. I would say that Max Holloway has the better defensive boxing of the two and is better at defending strikes and avoiding strikes, while Calvin Cater kind of trusts his chin and kind of gets involved in wars at times throughout his uh, UFC career. I had my concerns over Max Holloway entering into that Volkanovski rematch, whether he was declining, whether he was past his prime, but I think he answered a lot of those questions and proved that he is still a very elite fighter. He was not discouraged by Volkanovski soundly beating him the first time and came in a better fighter and made the second fight more competitive. He won rounds 1 and 2 pretty clearly with those two brief knockdowns. Rounds 3, 4, and 5 were really close competitive rounds. I understand scoring those rounds for Volkanovski. I do think he slightly edged those rounds, but Max was in the fight the whole time, and it really took another elite-level fighter like Volkanovski to adapt to Max Holloway in that fight and to win those 3, 4, 5 rounds in championship form. And I'm just not quite sure that Calvin Cater has that same championship grit, that cardio, and that ability to adapt in the middle of the fight like Volkanovski did and I think that that's what he's going to have to do here because skill for skill I do think that Max Holloway is the better fighter he's the more experienced fighter he's got the better wins over higher level fighters and unless Calvin Cater kind of unveils a new aspect to his game where he's able to make mid-fight adaptations and to really propel himself into that championship level tier of fighters I do think that Max Holloway is going to win this fight 
I do think the fight will be competitive the entire time, especially in the first two rounds. I think that it will be 1-1 heading into round three. Not sure who will win each round, but I think it will be even heading into round three. And we're probably going to see Max Holloway jump ahead to a lead in those three, four, and five rounds and win a decision either 49-46 or 48-47 in a narrow decision. But I'm going to be picking Max Holloway to win a close but clear decision by outstriking and being the more layered and skilled and experienced striker than Calvin Cater. But a Calvin Cater upset would not completely shock me it could be his time to take over the throne uh, max holloway's time could be over he could be regressing as a fighter as i thought before that last volkanovsky fight but max proved enough in that volkanovsky rematch for me to pick him here and i will be picking max holloway to win by decision and once again an amazing fight extremely high level two of the best boxers in the ufc history and i'm really looking forward to this matchup and it should be a great fight so that is going to do it for this episode of the Martian MMA Podcast. I will have two more podcasts this week, one for the Wednesday card headlined by Neil Magny versus Michael Chiesa, and then one for the big UFC 257 pay-per-view headlined by Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier too. So I will have two podcasts coming out in the next seven or eight days, so make sure you stay tuned for those. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. You can find all my official track bets on my Bet MMA Tips page, which can be found in the description of the YouTube video or on my Twitter profile, also along with the Bet MMA Tips website. So thank you all for listening. I hope to see you two times later this week, and I hope you enjoy this Saturday's card. Peace.